From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. Hey everybody, it's ESPN on ice, the podcast where ESPN talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wachinski, senior NHL writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter. And joining us is a very special guest here in Bristol. You can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Chris Peters, the NHL Draft and Prospects Analyst. You're darn right you are. It is, of course, the (laughs) NHL trade deadline for 2019. The three of us are in Bristol, Connecticut, having uh, sat in a conference room doing nothing uh, for about five hours and then doing everything in about 45 minutes. Uh, It was a uh, painfully slow uh, trade deadline. Um, you could feel everybody seizing up, waiting for the Mark Stone move to happen. Once it did, things opened up a little bit. But a few big topics before we get into each trade individually. The first topic being the Columbus Blue Jackets better make the playoffs. <laughs> that is pretty much the one thing that we can say. Uh, I am currently uh, spying the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, page on Cap Friendly. Um, they are right now, if you look at it, if you look at 2019 and 2020, as far as their draft pick situation, this season, they have a third rounder and a seventh rounder that belongs to Calgary. So conceivably could be one of the four lowest picks in the entire draft. And then in 2020, they will lose their first rounder if Matt Duchesne signs a contract with them. And then they would have a fourth and then maybe a fifth, but probably not. And then a sixth and then a seventh. Uh, they have mortgaged the future for the right now. Emily, have they made the right decision? I love it. <laughs> I think that usually when it comes to the trade deadline, it's all about, you know, talking a big game and having a very conservative or modest approach. Mm-hmm. And here we have Yarmo Kikalainen, who I've always thought has the, you know, reputation as a silent assassin misleading us all along. Whereas all year long, the talk has been about Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky and what value you could get for them he's like whoa 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 i see value in them as our own rentals yeah and i also want to get everyone else's rentals too um i think that they are loaded and they can beat you know which has been long their nemesis the pittsburgh penguins of the playoffs because the pittsburgh penguins are hobbled and as you noted did not do very much or, or enough at the yeah, they might up. not even be in the playoffs to defeat Yes, uh, they can beat the Washington Capitals, who have been a bit inconsistent and only made small moves. And uh, yeah, they can definitely get past the first round, which is what this fan base needs, right? That's really the one thing they need is just at least to get past the first round. A very bold prediction. Like their arch nemesis in the playoffs is the first round, which they've never <laughs> defeated. Um, so, But I do agree with you that they certainly have put themselves in a position to do more than they've ever done in the postseason. But Chris, what say you about the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets and team all in this year? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, as the prospects guy, I'm not going to always advocate for trading away that many draft picks. But you look at kind of what they have in their system right now, and, and I think that there's enough of a, a cushion, mm-hmm. let's say, to to part with these picks. And obviously, they're, this is a team that's not often in this position. This is a team that doesn't, doesn't necessarily uh, strike fear into the hearts of anybody come playoff time. And now I feel like they do. I feel like this is the closest that we've ever seen the Columbus Blue Jackets come to having – you know, a, a legitimate threat in the postseason. Now, that said, there's going to be it's it's a challenge. I mean, and you got to try and beat you know the Tampa Bay Lightning if you can even get that far. Yeah, if you and, get that far. And that's and that's where you know of the teams in the Eastern Conference, 
they were one of the few teams that said, all right, we're going to give this a shot. So uh, I give them a lot of credit. Um, I, I like some of the guys they have in their system already, but gosh, that's a lot of draft picks to give away. Well, let's get to it. Uh, let's break down each one of these jackets trades individually and, and in, in turn also start breaking down some of the Ottawa Senators trades. Uh, Matt Duchesne and Julius Bergman, uh, obviously the grandson of Ingmar Bergman. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets for... Uh, Vitaly, uh, Abramov, Jonathan Davidson, a 2019 first round pick, and then a 2020 first round pick should Matt Duchesne sign long term with the Blue Jackets. Who, who are these prospects? I've heard some people say that these are very average prospects for Columbus. I've heard some people say that they are actually maybe two of the top six prospects that they have in their system. Yeah, well, I guess we'll start with Abramov because I think he's a guy that that last year I was pretty high on. I've come a, a bit down on him. I've seen him in the AHL a few times this year, and and he's a guy that that is a high skill player. I feel like they still didn't give up any of their top guys. I look at Liam Foodie, Alexander Tessier, Texier, uh, uh, Emil Bemstrom. I mean, those are guys that you want to hang on to, and and they didn't get rid of those guys. Abramov was kind of a, a tweener for me, so I would say yes, more of the kind of. An average prospect with uh, with some upside there, and I, I don't think he's a make or break guy. I think really the the first round picks were the ones that could potentially do the most harm. And Davidson is more of a guy that projects to be a role player in the NHL. Good player, having a really good season, uh, has progressed nicely, but again, not a make or break prospect for the Blue Jackets. And so, Emily, how do you feel about Matt Duchesne as the uh, as one of the significant pieces for this Blue Jackets team? I look at him and I say, okay. A center is a good call. Now, now you can play him up with Atkinson. You can bump down Dubois if you want to. Uh, it, it seems like up the gut is really where uh, a lot of their problems lied as far as offense goes. And then obviously you look around the Eastern Conference and you see Sid and Malkin and you see Backstrom uh, and uh, Kuznetsov and you see Stamkos and Point and you see Tavares and Matthews and you say to yourself, if you're going to have a uh, snowball's chance in the Hades of winning a playoff round in the Eastern Conference, you best have two good centers. That's just it. I think that depth has still been an issue for this Blue Jackets team, uh, despite them getting more secondary production. It's not just a Panarin show, but they have had more depth. But this really bolsters them, as is Ryan Dezingle. And, you know, I think I am higher on Duchesne than you are as a player. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right on that one. I, I think he's going to be motivated. He's mm-hmm. in a contract year. He's getting the reputation as someone who can't stick with the team. Um, I'm not sure that he wants to stay in Columbus long term. I think he is going to exercise his option in free agency, but I think he's going to want to prove his worth. That's, that's interesting. Let's pause. That so you what you, part of the equation obviously is the idea that they've acquired him to then sign him. Mm-hmm. You get him in now. He enjoys Columbus. Hey, look at this! It's a college town. Isn't that exciting? Um, and that uh, and that hopefully maybe he wants to sign on long. Bars are open past eight p.m. Unlike in Ottawa. <laughs> I know he's got the wife and baby and dog, but that's a little exciting. But you believe that maybe it's not going to be for the long term. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think he probably will give the Columbus Blue Jackets the goodest chances anyone. You're right. He can create these memories in the playoffs and develop chemistry with players. But, uh, you know, I, I think he was inclined to stay in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he expressed that he wanted to do that. And once that did not work out, I, I think he's probably titillated or tantalized by the opportunity uh, to have suitors come to his door, kind of like John Tavares, oh, except yeah. I don't think they're going to be parking outside uh, Pepperson's office this time. I think he goes to Nashville as a free agent. Well, he has that investment property. Well, and he, I, I just I'm enamored with the idea of both he and and Turris ending up in Nashville. And if memory serves, Turris doesn't have 
trade protection. I don't think on that. Uh, memory serves. Nobody has trade protection. Right, outside of Pecorene, right? right? So the idea that he could go there and then they flip tourists or something else. I, I always thought the destiny for Matt Duchesne, and maybe it's just because he looks so damn cute in a cowboy hat, was going to be the National Predators. Hoyle loves him. I think he kind of likes Nashville. If memory serves, I think he's kind of friends with the Subban, maybe. Sure. Um, so I think I would not be shocked if he ended up there in the summer. Uh, but for now, they get him on the Blue Jackets. And you mentioned Ryan Zingle. That's the other big trade that they made, obviously, uh, with the Ottawa Senators. Um, Pierre Dorian usually doesn't win trades. So I imagine when the Duchesne one went down and people were like, hey, Ottawa did all right. He's like, oh, my God, I need to make another trade with this team right away. And so they, he gets a, a second rounder in 2020 and a second rounder in 2021 uh, for uh, Ryan Zingle, uh, along with Anthony Duclair, who... Can I just pause on Anthony DeClaire? Yeah, please. I mentioned this earlier, and Anthony DeClaire is a player I talked to earlier in the year. Everyone made such a big deal that day that Torts made the blank-in-your-pants comment about Panarin. Mm -hmm. I was more perturbed by the way he was talking about DeClaire. I had never seen a coach in the NHL talk about a player in that way. It really disturbed me, and I know that's Torts' thing. He shows tough love. But the reason that Anthony DeClaire signed in Columbus, he told me, was that he needed a coach to have structure. And I just found that wholly inappropriate. So I'm in the free DeClaire movement. Get this guy on another team. Do you mean it disturbed you that an NHL coach said a player might be too dumb or stubborn to understand basic concepts of hockey? That that disturbed you? Yeah, Well, that's interesting. I I, I guess maybe as as a human, you're disturbed by something uh, that is said about a player that has literally never been said about another player in this league by any coach in at least the last 25 years. I thought it was atrocious what he said about Duclair. I think it is uh, disgusting what he said about Duclair. And I'm completely with you on that one. Like the poo your pants thing got all the headlines, but the running a guy out of town by saying you might be too dumb to play hockey uh, didn't get enough uh, recognition. Uh, but anyways, so two seconds. By the way, two seconds that come post Panarin, post Bobrovsky for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, which is a pretty smart move by Dorian for Dezingle. Uh It is what it is. I mean, I, th- I feel like they, they paid a pretty penny for him because they're going to re-sign him because he is an Ohio State uh, alumnus. Uh, so versatile player having a career in a contract year. It is what it is. And, and I guess a nice a nice addition to the Blue Jackets if maybe an overpayment. For sure. And what we learned earlier, and I give Pierre Dorian credit, is that he actually knew the market for these players, and I'm glad he got the deals done because people were really hesitant to give up high picks as they were last year. Like Mm -hmm. in last year where Ryan Hartman even got a first-round pick from the Chicago Blackhawks and Victor Edsall, this year people were holding on to them with their dear life as long as second-round picks. So good on him, you know, good on Pierre Dorian for getting that return. Chris, do you know anything about Julius Bergman? (laughs) Uh not really a prospect. I mean, you know, he's a guy that probably provides AHL depth, and and he moved again today. Right. So it's just kind of like you know, he's he's a throwing guy. I think that's exactly what he was, and not a whole lot there. He was a throwing in the Mike Hoffman deal with the Sharks, um, and then he w- was then sent uh, to Columbus, and then Columbus sent him to the Rangers along with a fourth and a seventh for the beefy physicality of Adam McQuaid. Tough player to play against, not exactly the greatest defenseman these days. I think he's clearly lost a few steps from his uh, peak with the Boston Bruins. But as far as what the Columbus Blue Jackets are looking for, maybe some physicality. They've got two guys who can eat up minutes. He doesn't have to play a huge role. He's going to be fine. Um, And then their other trade that they made was a real weird one for various and sundry reasons. Uh, Keith Kincaid, uh, who has kind of played himself out of favor in, in New Jersey, uh, is traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets where they already have two goalies. 
for a fifth rounder in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, that's uh that's what they call a future. Well, I believe they call it a future. Chris, as our prospects expert, just give us a little landscape of the 2022 draft. Uh, you know, I, I just watched the Canada games the other day, and there were a couple guys in the 2022 mm-hmm. draft. And uh, let's just say I, I, I don't, uh, I don't want to go too far on that one because uh, that'd be really weird to uh, start yeah. scouting players at about 14 years old and hey, 15 years old. Do it. So mm-hmm. they do. Uh, I am not one of them, so uh, I will, uh, I will refrain. But I. Could be a good move. The interesting thing with that move, though, is that the Columbus Blue Jackets said they're going to keep three goalies on the roster for mm-hmm. the rest of the season. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Corpusalo has had some very strong moments as a 24-year-old goalie. He's also his most recent game led up, I believe it was uh, five goals on 20 shots against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think this is just assurance more than anything, uh, especially as Greg has noted many times, Sergei Bobrovsky doesn't have the best record in the playoffs. Right. Exactly. All right, let's move over to the Ottawa Senators, who obviously uh, had uh, quite a bounty at this trade deadline. I thought that Dorian did pretty well in these two trades, considering they had to move those guys. Uh, and then, of course, came the big deal, uh, the Mark Stone trade. Now, the Senators did all they could to try to re- re-sign Mark Stone. Um, I did find it interesting in Dorian's post, uh, post-deadline press conference. They talked about trying to create a culture that would want to keep guys in Ottawa and uh, wanted to play in Ottawa. Mark Stone wanted to play in Ottawa. Eric Carlson wanted to play in Ottawa. It is not about creating a situation in which guys want to stay in Ottawa. It's about paying them the money they're looking for. And that's the problem with this franchise right now, is that you have an owner in Eugene Melnick that doesn't want to pay the money they're looking for. And in Mark Stone's case, the money they're looking for is going to be, be what he could get from a team like the Vegas Golden Knights that play in a state that does not have an income tax so $9.5 million against the cap for eight years is going to be exponentially better and more beneficial financially for him than whatever the Ottawa Senators were going to give him in the, in the whatever deal they were offering, um, which obviously was going to be too rich for their blood anyway. So Mark Stone, uh, despite there being many suitors for him, including the Calgary Flames, including the uh, Winnipeg Jets, the Boston Bruins were also in the mix, goes to the Vegas Golden Knights because they were willing to give up an absolute blue chip prospect to acquire Mark Stone for the rest of this season and for the uh, ensuing eight years after this and Eric Brandstrom along with Oscar Lindbergh who never really found his, his, his place on the Golden Knights roster and a 2020 second round pick from the Dallas Stars. Chris, you're here for one reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's to extol the virtues, to get on the pulpit and tell the Ottawa Senators fans why Eric Brandstrom is the real deal Holyfield and why this trade is going to be okay for the Senators going forward. You know what? Just tell all of our fans that he's the next Eric Carlson. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody wants to say. Obviously, a fellow Swede, a bit undersized, great puck mover. He's a great young defenseman. And really, this is the kind of prospect you need to get back for a trade where everybody's kind of looking at at Mark Stone as this guy that, that could help a lot of playoff teams. And obviously, to get also the extension, you needed to get a guy like this. So Eric Bransom is an excellent prospect. To me, he moves right to the top of a very deep Ottawa prospects pool. I like that a lot about uh, where you know where he kind of fits in. Yes, he's kind of more like that that Carlson replacement. He's kind of like a diet Carlson, uh, <laughs> if, if you will. Um, in turn, you know, well, Carlson needs to go on a diet. He's pretty skinny. Yeah, yeah. And and Eric Branstrom, you know, he was the captain of Sweden at uh, at the World Juniors this year. I uh, played in the World Juniors last year, won a silver medal with them. Uh, this year, he's played for the Chicago Wolves, and and his production over the last twenty years. 
Uh, not a lot of U20 defensemen play in the AHL, mm-hmm. especially, uh, you know, European, young European defensemen coming in their first season in North America. The last guy to produce at the rate, uh, a rate higher than Eric Brandstrom is, uh, John Carlson, uh, wow. you know, in the last 20 years. So, I mean, this is a guy that's, that's put up good numbers, uh, and, and he's only conti- gonna continue to get better. Now, I hope that the Senators leave him in the AHL for a little while. Mm-hmm. Let him stay there, marinate. Excellent prospect. I think that, you know, he could be uh, on their team next year. And you look at him and Thomas Shabbat as being this kind of cornerstone pieces for this rebuild. Um, you know, Pierre Dorian's already talking about him as a cornerstone. I believe that to be the case where, where this is a guy that you can help kind of build around and, and they've got a, a really nice prospect pool. So Branstrom, absolute blue chip prospect. Uh, certainly the best prospect that's moved around the deadline. And again, their number one prospect now in Ottawa. Now, my question for you is, were you surprised that Vegas moved him, and where does this leave their prospect pool? Yeah, you know, they they had such a great haul, and they did such a good job of building assets for uh, that first year when they just traded the guys and, and looked for for things like that where, where they were able to get first-round draft picks. So two of their three first-rounders are already moved. However, they turned into Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. Long-term pieces for that team, guys that are going to help them for sure. So I think that that's kind of one of the the big keys here is that that they were able to get legitimate players that are going to help them. Their prospect pool is shallow now. There's no doubt about it. They don't have many uh, top guys. They didn't have a first-round pick last year. Uh, so now Cody Glass is kind of carrying the load for them. They do have Nicholas Haig, who uh, is playing for, for the Chicago Wolves, who's a very good defenseman, was the OHL defenseman of the year last year. Um, so they, they, they have some really nice pieces, but it's a shallow pool. Mm. And you think about when they're going to have to build out their AHL team, they're going to have to look at more of those college free agents, undrafted free agents to try and fill some of those spots because they're, they're going to be, uh, pretty shallow. In the shallow. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think what happened here is that Brandstrom was included in the deal in lieu of them getting the first rounder. Absolutely. They, like, they couldn't get both. I wish they did. I mean, that might have been like there was all this talk earlier this this uh, today about uh, uh, Calgary being in on stone and then being like, ah, too rich for our blood. And it's probably because they came to him and said, look, we're going to need a first rounder and a, and, a, and a blue chip prospect. And they're just like, nope. And they came to Vegas. They're like, we'll take Brandstrom and, and, and a first. And they're like, no, you won't. And they're like, ah, but we really like Brandstrom. Eh, we'll take Dallas a second. Like, that's kind of probably how I bet the, the, the trade went down. And honestly, like for Ottawa, like if you're looking to. Uh, for a, a pathway back to respectability after gutting your team, um, they, they, they traded everything outside of Cody CC because nobody wanted him. Um, Greg building, hates Cody CC. I, I don't hate Cody CC. <laughs> I just think he's statistically the worst defenseman in the NHL, um, which is a fact. Going your your two foundational pieces right now. You have three basically. You have Brady Kachuk. You have uh, Thomas Shabbat. And now you have Eric Branstrom, and like when two of your foundational pieces are defensemen, that's, you're, you're, you get you you can at least see the pathway back to respectability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that on top of that, they they've they've got guys that aren't terribly far away, and I you know I'm just kind of looking down their list here of the various prospects that they have. Drake Batherson's been fantastic in the AHL this year. I think that's another guy that could be a centerpiece. Logan Brown having a great season. They got Rudolph Balsers uh, in the the trade for Eric Carlson. Josh Norris got hurt this year, but he he had a great season at, at, at Michigan before the injury, played for Team USA at the World Juniors. There is a lot to like there, but but now we look at this this rebuild situation, and, and 
how many teams have have went so far to the young guys mm-hmm. and left nothing to help those guys grow into that team. That's what I'm starting to get concerned about with Ottawa. How many guys are going to be there to help shepherd this group of young players? Because there is no doubt they've got a lot of talent below the NHL level, but there's just not a lot there. And I will also throw in the goaltenders. they got a couple of interesting ones. I think the most interesting is Philip Gustafson, although he struggled in the AHL this year, but he was the guy they got last year uh, at the trade around the trade deadline. So there are some, there are definitely some pieces there. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 concerned about where this goes from here. And so, from a Vegas perspective, Emily, they add Mark Stone, which is pretty amazing. Like they're going to add Mark Stone to align with Marcia So and William Carlson in theory, giving them and Carlson and Stone two of the best two way forwards in the NHL. Um, they're going to be able to drop down Riley Smith probably to the second line for a little bit more depth there. Uh, I love Stone's game. He's scored over 20 goals in every full season that he's played in the NHL. He's 26. He is a foundational piece for this team. Um, I really like the move for them. Um, and obviously, when you look around the West, and, and we'll get to some of the other moves the other teams made on deadline day, uh, it's an arms race, and they added probably the most significant piece that you could get on deadline day. 100%. And, you know, I think about Mark Stone, and people are saying this deal feels a little rich for a guy who's never scored more than 30 goals. Mm-hmm. Well, last year I did my who's the most underrated player in the league. <laughs> Patrick Kane said Mark Stone. I think go. that says something. He's a bit of a hockey nerd, uh, whatever you think of him. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I found this in- move interesting for GM George McVie for a couple reasons. One, he's been so calculated as a GM, but he really did make a huge mistake at last year's deadline for overpaying for Thomas Tatar. And he really showed a lot more restraint this year. Two, um, you know, because he didn't overpay for Mark Stone. I don't believe so. Two, I didn't really think they liked their team as much this year. I think, you know, they've had some injuries and they just feel like they didn't have the magic or the juju or whatever it was of last year. (laughs) So I found it interesting that this move kind of signals like, okay, we're giving you guys some more assets, but you got to maintain the fan base. You got to cultivate it. And like you said, the West has become an arms race. They see the Winnipeg Jets, the team that they went toe-to-toe with them in the Western Conference last year, add Kevin Hayes and maybe this is our natural transition to get into the Jets. They see, you know, the Nashville Predators being in and all the big names. They ended up with two of them. Um, you know, one guy that wasn't really on the market, and that's Michael Granlund. And, yeah, they get him. So they've got a pretty nice core locked up. You know, they were smart uh, to be cautious with William Carlson and only giving him a one-year deal. We'll see what his next contract looks like. But Jonathan Marsha's show, $5 million for the next couple of years. Riley Smith, $5 million for the next couple of years. Uh, you got Alex Tuck at a very reasonable extension already. Of course, you got Patchy Wrighty under there. Shea Theodore. Like, this is a core you'd want to build around. And so even if they don't have that prospect pool, they can build off of what they did last year mm-hmm. and win right now. Yeah, and it's pretty remarkable to think about this being a, a first-year team last year, getting that bounty in the expansion draft. And then you fast-forward a year, and on their roster are Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty and Paul Stasny. And in Stasny's case, obviously, it's a signing. But still, it's all of these players that are now under contract for them for multiple seasons. And it happened because they proved themselves not only as a as a, a franchise you want to play for, but as a hockey market and a place you want to live. I, I, I think that's sort of I – mean, who would have predicted – I mean, oh, listen – there's a bunch of stuff you can never predict about the Golden Knights. Okay, right. right. But but the, the idea of it being a place in year two where guys are like, yeah, I want to spend the next eight years there is insane to me. It's it, it's a, it's an amazing story. Um, you mentioned the National Predators. They made two very significant moves on deadline day. One, a pretty big surprise. Uh, Kevin Fiala uh, traded to uh, the Minnesota Wild where uh, GM Paul Fenton 
Boy really wanted to get Kevin Fiala back on his team. He was, of course, a former assistant GM in Nashville, sending Michael Granlund um, to the Minnesota to, to the Nashville Predators. A versatile forward um, has uh, another year left on his deal and uh, had a wife that was in uh, labor uh, when the trade was made. <laughs> uh, Emily, what did you think of this move for the uh, Predators in particular? I absolutely loved it. The more I thought about it, the more I liked it even better and better. Look, Kevin Fiala is a guy that has shown, and I believe these are even the words of David Poyle, flashes of brilliance, but he has been frustrating. Mm-hmm. He has not realized his potential after scoring a career high in goals this year. He's got a ton of um, you know, opportunity this year with so many of those first line guys being injured and he just was not producing. And and this is, you know, a guy that was once untouchable, untouchable, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, in their organization as being such a high first run pick. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And now they realize, you know what, we can kinda eat our loss. They get a guy in Michael Granland who's under contract for the next two seasons, so this isn't a rental. It's a one-for-one deal. Mm-hmm. The deal's um, one-for-one. The deal's one-for-one, and he instantly upgrades them on the second line, which is what they need. I also really love what they did to get Willie – um God, William Simmons. Uh, <laughs> Wayne Simmons. Yeah, I just want to call him Willie. I want everyone to be Willie. Wayne <laughs> Simmons. Uh, Wayne Simmons, you know, is a guy I'm super high on. I think he helps um, – so much tremendously in intangible ways in a locker room, but also just as a big physical net presence. They've got the worst power play in the league. Now they can send out two units where you send Wayne Williams Simmons, who has uh, <laughs> the second most power play goals in the league, only to Alex Ovechkin over the last few seasons. Uh, you can get Brian Boyle on your second power play unit. Uh, it helps them tremendously. And they didn't have to give up a ton because who they gave up was Ryan Hartman, who they overpaid for last year. But this is a GM doing something that GMs rarely do. It's admitting mistake. We realized that we probably thought he had more offensive upside than he got. At best, he's a third-line guy. Mm-hmm. Let's just ship him the Philly. Yeah, and get a rental. We'll get to Simmons in a second. I, I want to mention one more thing about Fiala. 22 years old, restricted free agent after the season. Um, that's a lot of cost control and asset management that they're going to have over this guy. So that's for, if you're looking for a, a plus side for the Wild, mm-hmm. although I think they clearly ended up with a, a player that, that isn't I – mean, I mean, they, they lost the talent side of the trade, I think, but – uh, they maybe want it as far as like uh, asset management and, and cost certainty with Fiala. You mentioned Simmons. Uh, one of the big storylines, I think, on deadline day itself was the fact that the forward market collapsed for the players that were not named Mark Stone. The idea that Wayne Simmons, who had been sort of chatted up as being a guy that potentially could land a first round pick, uh, ends up going for Ryan Hartman in a conditional fourth is stunning. And, you know, a really good reunion. You know, he goes back. He's he's going to be reunited with Peter LaViolette, who knows him quite well. And in both the Granlin and Simmons deals, the Predators address one of the two biggest problems that they had in the playoffs last year, uh, which is secondary scoring. They've yes. got the best line, I think, in hockey uh, with the Forsberg, uh, Arvidsson, and Johansson line. Uh, but last season, they were the only ones doing any scoring in the playoffs. The tourist line was a huge disappointment. Now, at the very least, you're going to be able to throw Granlin probably on the tourist line uh, to, to try to make that thing work. And then you, you throw in Simmons to hopefully bolster what is statistically the worst power play in hockey uh, this season and uh, and give them a nice little net front presence, too. So You make that interesting point because 
Turris is a guy that they haven't been totally pleased with in the organization. I right. don't think he really fits what they want to do and has been a little bit disappointing. Sure. So hopefully this revives him a bit. Or, or they ship him out and sign Duchesne in the summer, like I said. But the other thing, too, is <laughs> that like, deal that keeps on giving. The other problem that they have, obviously, is that Pecorani can't win on the road in the playoffs anymore. And there's really nothing you can do about that. So you hope that that part of it works out. But they've done it. I mean, listen, Simmons, I think, is as crested as a player. I think he's on the downside of his career. But for a rental, as long as he's a rental... You got him for a song, and I, and I think that's a really good move for them. But but don't don't sign him for anything long term because he has crested as a player. Um, the New York Rangers. We talked briefly about the uh, Adam McQuaid trade. They uh, were involved in what was for a long time the only trade of consequence during the day, getting Brendan Lemieux. Lemieux, and, and, as I said <laughs> on TSN. And uh, and boy, does it tickle me to see Claude Lemieux's kid on the New York Rangers. Uh, a nineteen a two thousand nineteen first round pick and a conditional. 2022 fourth round pick. Gotta love it. If the Winnipeg Jets win the cup, the Rangers get the Winnipeg Jets fourth rounder in 2022, uh, for Kevin Hayes. Now, Chris, you and I were talking about Kevin Hayes before in the uh, ESPN war room. Neither of us are really enamored with this player. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's always been a guy that, that, that I just have felt hasn't quite lived up to expectations. I, I feel like he's kind of stopped and started. Um, I want him to play meaner a lot. I know that's really not his thing. Yeah, uh, that's because he, he's he, see he's got that that Chris Gratton disease of being like a big tall guy, and you're looking for him to play a certain way. Bukestad's got the same problem, I think. Right, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I think if you're if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you want to play heavier, he he is. You know, not heavy. by by weight, <laughs> heavier, <laughs> heavier uh, and bigger. But but really, that's not his style. I do think that you know it's a nice addition for them. It's depth for them. Where mm-hmm. whereas he's a top guy for for New York, I I think that that'll be okay. But yeah, I agree. It's he's just he's a player that I've I've never quite grasped onto as as a guy that that I felt could really help you this time of year. But again, I think that the long game for them is. Who are we going to play, and what is their center center depth like? Like, if the end game for the for the Western Conference is going to be the Winnipeg Jets against the San Jose Sharks, and the Sharks are rolling out Pavelski and uh, Hurdle and uh, Jumbo, and you're coming at them with with Shifley and and uh, and Little, um, you need another body there. And, and so Hayes, I think, helps them out to that. And obviously, if they win the West, you know what's coming out of the East as far as center depth. So I, have- I, I I think it makes sense, but it's a pretty steep price to pay for for Kevin Hayes now. It's a steep price to pay for Kevin Hayes, but I love what Cheval Dayoff did, where he backed himself out of the Stone sweepstakes when it became too high. And they, you know, the sweepstakes for Mark Stone at that point probably would have cost them a player they didn't want to give up with, like a Jack Roslevic in a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Instead, they gave up their first round pick, which they were clearly willing to part with, and it's probably going to be in the low, and gave up Brendan Lemieux, who, as Chris has pointed out, is a redundancy for them. They have so many players who can do what he does and do it better. Meanwhile, he goes to New York where he's probably a stopgap. You know, he's right. a cheap guy that, that can fit him, but he's not a huge part of their future. Right. And then they get Matt Hendricks for a seventh, and Hendricks can basically do the same thing Lemieux can do. So and then the Rangers re sign Kevin Hayes in free agency, and it's a whole beautiful circle. <laughs> There's a theory yeah, exactly. that that's going to happen. I'm not I'm not convinced of that, but I, I wouldn't be, I guess, stunned. There's been so much chatter about it. Greg, we were so overstimulated today. I didn't have a chance to say, Discover is the official credit card of the NHL. <laughs> And with Discover, you can show how much you love your team everywhere you shop with a personalized card featuring your favorite NHL team's logo and colors. Mm-hmm. But no matter what team you root for, Discover is committed to rewarding all of their new card members with cash back match. 
Only Discover offers dollar-for-dollar match of all the cash back you've earned at the first end of your first year. Automatically, no caps, no signups. Mm-hmm. So redeem your rewards in any amount at any time, and they never expire. Mm. With all that extra cash, you can treat yourself to centerized seats of the game, your favorite player's jersey, or maybe buy some new headphones to listen to your favorite podcast what? on. Try it and believe it at discover.com slash NHL. Only for new card members, limitations apply. Uh, six trades, I believe, for the Winnipeg Jets today. Many of them minor. I mean, obviously, they won the uh, the Bogdan Kisselovich. Uh, Kisselovich. Uh, hey, for me, dog. Yeah. Um, so there's that whole thing there. Uh, back to the Rangers. Obviously, the other big move that they made uh, was the Matt Zuccarello deal, trading him to the Dallas Stars. And uh, he ended up having a great two periods with Dallas before yeah. he broke his arm. Gosh. Yeah, he looked amazing, and what dumb look that is for Dallas if their season is going. Yeah, so he goes for a conditional second and a conditional third. The conditions on this trade are hilarious. <laughs> uh, the second uh, becomes a first if the Dallas Stars uh, win two rounds in the playoffs, which they haven't done in a decade. And then the third becomes a first if Zuccarello signs with Dallas, which obviously he won't because it'll cost him a first round pick. Uh, but hopefully he, he gets healthy and hopefully he's able to play. Cause I do think that when you look at Dallas and their needs, it's an extraordinarily top heavy team offensively. Zuccarello is great because he can kind of create his own offense. He's not reliant yes. on a, on a, on a particular centerman to really kind of drive play for him. He can kind of drive play himself. And in the last two months, he's been great. Um, and plus he's a good dude. Like I, I love the way he plays. Um, and I kind of hope for the best for him. Are you going to tear up? I, I'm not, I'm not Henrik Lundqvist. I'm not going to start tearing up about him. Uh, but I thought, I thought it was a good move for Dallas and in hindsight for the Rangers. Now I didn't give him the best trade grade on this one, but like in hindsight, man, like they got ahead of it a little bit and actually I think made out pretty good getting a second and a third. If this trade was made on deadline day, it's probably like, a third and a fourth. Well, I think it becomes what Wayne Simmons was. And I think Chuck Fletcher, he did what was right for this team that he inherited because Wayne Simmons was so important for them and having that last game at the link and, you know, holding on just as long as they could to see if they really were a playoff team when Carter Hart gave them a lot of hope. But holding on to him that long, especially up mm-hmm. until 257 when I believe the trade went down, mm-hmm. definitely devalued him. Friend of the podcast, Alex Fitzpatrick, points out that the, quote, Rangers are out here with more picks than a guitar center. Five picks in the first two rounds. And it is insane how much that they have been able to stockpile. Jeff Gordon, uh, the rebuild in full swing, getting tons and tons and tons of picks for the last two years. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing with them. They're the Rangers. They'll probably package them for some veteran over 30. <laughs> but uh, that's the old Rangers. He's the new Rangers. Everything's fine. A um, couple other, of uh, other things of note to obviously point out. Uh, you had an interesting trade from two teams in the Pacific Division, two interesting trades. First of all, the Anaheim Ducks trade Brandon Montour uh, to the Buffalo Sabres for a conditional first and Brendan, how do you say it? Gouley. Gouley. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the Goolster. Yeah. So Montour is an interesting guy to trade if you're the Ducks because this was the guy that they kept in the expansion draft. And then uh, dealt uh, Shea Theodore. They also kept uh, Sammy Vontaden, who they loved, coveted so much they traded him a couple months later. And they traded it. Well, they got Adam Henrique for him, so that turned out all right. But, like, the fact that they flipped Montour to the Sabres, I think, was a bit of a surprise for some people. Um, What do you think about him on the Sabres? Is he a a solution to some problems there for for Buffalo? 
Well, I, I think he gives them a little bit more of, of of what they needed, and you know you've got Rasmus Dahlin now, and that that helps a lot in terms of the puck moving, and, the, and they just didn't have a lot of depth there. I think that he's a guy that gets the puck up the ice. He's a good transition defenseman. Um, you know, he's not necessarily the best defensively, uh, which has been an issue for them. But I still think that that's that's the kind of guy that uh, that can help you. Now, I think they paid a high price. I yeah. mean, uh, Brendan Gooley is a is a a quality young player, a guy that they've been very high on in that organization. I don't think that he's broken through in the way that they were kind of hoping. Um, but I, he's a, he's an excellent skating defenseman. Um, and then, you know, just to have that, that pick, I mean, obviously Buffalo was dealing from a surplus at that point, mm-hmm. uh, of first round picks, but, but still it's, uh, it was a high price, but I, I do think that he gives them an element that they don't necessarily have enough of right now on their blue line. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but firstly, he was drafted by the pre Previous regime. Correct. So you've got Jason Botterell saying, look, this isn't my draft pick. This isn't my guy. <laughs> There's a Tim Murray guy. Yeah, Brandon he's a Tim Murray guy. Gooley. Another Tim Murray guy gone. <laughs> Jack Eichel. <laughs> I, miss, I miss Tim Murray so much. He, no one in, I've ever dealt with was more of a wonk than that guy. Like, he had no business being the, the public face of any franchise, <laughs> but I would totally have him on my, on my scouting staff. But great. Correct. But the other point I was going to make is, hasn't he been surpassed on the depth chart? Uh, Palat has played a ton of games this mm-hmm. year. They've got other left-handed defensemen in their system. Yeah, it's kind of a an area of surplus. I really love this trade for Buffalo. Right, absolutely. I mean, you look at the, the everybody is looking for right shot defensemen right now. They they want those guys that that because there there are so many lefties. And Matias Samuelson is a guy that's not in their NHL system right now. He's playing at Western Michigan. Who, who gives them uh, a little bit of a different element, probably has a higher upside than, than Gooley at this point, um, and, and was a second-round draft pick last year. And then again, you, you know, you, you're just trying to find ways to uh, kind of maximize Rasmus Dahlin. I think Montour is the kind of guy that you know, can take some of the attention away from Dahlin and, and give teams something else to look at. And, and that's a that's a big benefit and why a guy like him makes a lot of sense. And you're exactly right, Emily. There, there's there's this, this uh, surplus they've built over the years, and a guy like that becomes expendable. I think it's a good add for Anaheim because they needed they needed to get something back like like a Brandon Montour, right? Uh, but yeah, but again, he's more prepared to help a team that's trying to do something this year and next than than a Brennan Gooley. I was a little surprised that Anaheim didn't cut a little deeper at the deadline with some moves, but maybe that comes uh, around the draft instead. The other uh, Pacific Division team I wanted to mention was the San Jose Sharks. Oh baby, I love this move. Gustav Nyquist goes to the Sharks. Pretty much, if they make the cup final, it'll be a pair of second-rounders going to the Red Wings for him. 49 points in 63 games. And to me, my you look at the roster for the Sharks, and the concern is when you get past the top two lines, which are absolutely stacked, what do you got? Well, you got Joe Thornton. Who's he passing to? Eh, he's got some guys to pass to. But now he's got a finisher to pass to. And to me... You look at this roster now, and you're saying to yourself, "Okay, he got three lines I got to worry about now. Now that, New- that now that Nyquist is there, and uh, and that's great." The Sharks didn't make a move for a goalie, which may or may not end up being their undoing because Jones and Dell have been so bad. But as far as getting that last big piece for their forward group, I think they got the right guy. I think Nyquist, first of all, he's better than Tatar. And he cost significantly less than Tatar did last year for the Golden Knights. I'm going to be talking about Tatar for years. 
But <laughs> the one thing I do find interesting is I didn't expect San Jose to make a move because I really don't have much capita to do so. Mm-hmm. But the one thing looming over their head, the one thing Doug Wilson wants right now more than anything else, well, he wants two things. One, he wants a Stanley Cup. And two, he wants to keep Eric Carlson. It is notable that Nyquist is friends with Eric Carlson, A. But B, it does give them a better (laughs) chance to win right now and to keep Carlson around, to be in a winning culture, to make a long playoff run. That's a huge recruiting pitch. I know it's been a one-season-long recruiting pitch. uh, But, yeah, even if you don't got the draft assets to do it, you go all in and you prove to him we're this type of team. And speaking of the Red Wings, nothing tickled uh, my funny bone more at this trade deadline than the fact that a trade deadline passed Without Thomas Vanek being traded, <laughs> that dude got a no trade clause from Ken Holland, and he said, "You know what? I don't care. For the first time in my life, I am going nowhere at the trade deadline. There's nothing you can do about it, old man." Little Caesars is nice. I was there for the first time. I'd want to play there. There's something beautiful about that. Um, uh, we should mention one more minor trade with the Dallas Stars. Forgot to mention it before. Ben Lovejoy goes for Connor Carrick and a third. I can't believe they got uh, the Devils got a third for Ben Lovejoy. To be quite honest with you. Um, and I mentioned this also because uh, my uh, daughter had a Lovejoy jersey. Mm. I haven't told her yet that he got traded, but I don't think she really cares. I think she just she likes the name. And who doesn't? Right. Eric's a decent player, though. Um, yeah. He's sixth defenseman. He's a f- functional sixth defenseman. Uh, that was just a diversion because we need, need to mention the other Detroit Red Wings move at the deadline. Nick Jensen going to the Washington Capitals uh, along with the fifth-round pick for Madison Bowie and a second-round pick in 2020. Uh, Jensen was your prototypical uh, analytics darling mm. at this deadline. Low cost, kind of a guy very under the radar for many uh, casual hockey fans. Uh, but for what the Capitals need, fits pretty well and immediately signed to a, a long-term contract by the Capitals as well. What's so funny about Brian McClellan is he telegraphed pretty clearly what he wanted to do. He wanted to find a forward that helped, especially if they were going to trade Burkowski, who, by the way, after months of fuss, did not move. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to find this year's Michael Kepney. This is this year's Michael Kepney, the underrated defenseman uh, who perhaps could blossom if he's put next to the right defensive partner. So mm-hmm. I like that. I like Carl Haglin because they do have a pretty leaky penalty kill. I know Devante Smith-Pelly uh, got sent down to the minors. He's pretty good on the PK. So Carl Haglin, you know, maybe can help out there. And you know what? He's got a ton of playoff experience, Haglin does, especially against the Capitals. He certainly does. And he's going to help out the PK, like you said, in a big, big way. Uh, you mentioned Haglin. Uh, that obviously leads us to this trade. I thought this has been a seamless podcast. Uh, Carl Haglin. Uh, you could look at it this way, folks. The Pittsburgh Penguins traded Carl Haglin for Eric Goodbranson. The Pittsburgh Penguins are also paying Carl Haglund to be on the Capitals. They are, strangely enough. Eric Goodbranson was acquired for Tanner Pearson, who, of course, was acquired for Carl Haglund. Um, I got to tell you, listen, who am I to criticize Jim Rutherford? The man has three cups to his credit. The man has back-to-back Stanley Cups. The man has accomplished more in his life than I will ever accomplish when it comes to hockey. With that said... How much goodwill and goodwill and in the in the terms of being a, a capital that you spend has this man spent to try to make up for the fact that he has acquired both Jack Johnson and Eric Branson in the span of less than a year? You're talking about statistically two of the worst defensemen in the NHL, and he acquired them both. Now he makes the Branson trade because he uh, he needs like a warm body because they got a lot of injuries on the blue line. He says, I, w- I would acquire this player regardless if we had hurt defensemen because they want a f- big— Did you really say that? 
Yeah, he did. He <laughs> said, well, not in so many words, but that's kind of what he said. Because they want a big physical player, right. which they don't have right now in their blue line because they got rid of Alexiak. Uh, I guess thinking that if the big bad flyers try to mess up Sid or whatever, like they need to get Branson there. Forgetting the Just fact like they that needed Ryan Reeves last year to protect Sid. Yeah. Forgetting the fact that he's legitimately one of the worst defensemen in the league statistically. Besides um, Cody CC. Well, in the last three years, only Cody CC has <laughs> a worse uh, uh, Corsi 4 percentage. Uh, Good Branson in the last three years is a minus 444 in shot attempts. Uh, he bad. He not good. And yet now he is on the same defense core as Jack Johnson, statistically one of the worst defensemen in hockey, but also a friend of Sidney Crosby. Hence, he's on the team. Uh, what do you think of this horrible move? Uh, well, I would say that that's probably a good descriptor for it. Uh, for one, but I, you know, I, I loved it how, uh, Ray Ferraro talked about it on Trade Center today where, where he said, uh, he's not like the new age defenseman. Right. And he's, and he's not. He's not. Uh, he is, uh, he's a throwback, uh, to back when, you know, defense was all about crushing people. And mm-hmm. unfortunately now you're looking at a, a, an Eastern Conference playoff that's going to be fast. Faster than it is physical, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And and that is not his game. No. That is not gonna he's not gonna help you there. Um, you know, Tanner Pearson wasn't exactly helping either, but Good Branson has term. That's uh, I mean, yeah. that is that is the one where it's just like when this comes back and there's not a lot of prospects down there to to guys that are gonna filter up that are cheap, that are gonna be able to fill those spots when you're up against the cap. So that's really where bare. Oh, it's not good. It's not good. And so yeah, I'm I was not a fan of this trade. I don't think a lot of people in Pittsburgh would be a fan of this trade. Um, it's it just didn't make sense to me for a team that that plays the way the Pittsburgh does. The, the year is twenty twenty one, and they will still have Good Branson and Jack Johnson under contract. That's crazy. And the Columbus Blue Jackets will still have not picked that fifth round pick for keeping <laughs> <laughs> Uh Before we wrap up with the last few trades, I just wanted to do a quick tour of teams that did nothing at all. Please. The New York Islanders, who we had no idea what they were going to do because no one knows what Lula or Merlo is going to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's the right move. Now, here's a question. Do you think that they – do you think if Panarin was available, they would have dabbled in Panarin? Oh, Panarin was available. Jarmo Kikalainen made that clear for the right price. Mm-hmm. And I think Lou Lamarillo in his old age is a little more conservative. He's like, I'm not, you can do your. Era, Josh Ho sang in a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not the price. Uh, the Calgary Flames did not do anything. Totally fine with it. Uh, you know, it was interesting listening to Elliot Friedman report on how they were handling the goaltending situation because it was very delicate because David Riddich and Michael Smith. Uh, Mike Smith, I, I think I made him sound a little more formal than he is. Nice mm-hmm. guy that he is. Talked mm-hmm. to him for the first time the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have been a bit shaky, but you also have to manage their egos. And if you hear in the talk out there that they might go and get one of the goaltenders, then it might damage them. So they didn't get a goaltender. I was totally fine with it. I, I'd ride those guys if they've carried them with the high-octane offense so far. Another team that didn't do anything, and this is with pretty much no respect to Michael Dozato, is the St. Louis Blues. Uh, totally fine. They've been riding it out. Uh uh, no need to do anything there. And then there's the Carolina Hurricanes, who I'm only a bit surprised just because it's a very obvious thing of what they can and should do. You have a surplus of very capable defensemen. All anybody in the league wants right now is defensemen. There's no none available. You need scoring. Yeah. Go out and use one of that to get a score. And instead, they listen to offers of Michael Furland and decide to keep him as their own rental. And I'm okay with that, but I still think they're going to need something else up front. 
uh, for them to get over the edge and make the playoffs and advance in the playoffs. And, and I think they also kind of feel like getting Jordan Stahl back is also their big deadline move, too. So you get him back, and now you can slot him behind Ajo, and, and maybe you've got something cooking at center. I, I, I still think at the end of the day, we all know they're going to have to move one of those defensemen for something up front. Um, do we know what they're going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, listen, their owner is crazy, so we don't know what he, what he's going to do. Friend of the pod. I mean, yeah, friend of the pod. I mean, he could wake up one morning and trade a defense, and he could wake up the next morning and buy a football league. Who's to say? Uh, but I think any of those moves probably come in the uh, in, in the summer at the draft. But I think at this point they have to deal from that surplus at some point, especially if they don't make the playoffs, which I hope they do. By the way, officially – Give me the Penguins and the Hurricanes in and the Montreal Canadiens out, and I will be a happy boy. My fa- The best time I had in the entire trade deadline was when TSN put up the graphic that showed all of the American cities and teams that had won cups since the last time Canada won the cup. You were it downright giddy. It my heart. I was, I was weeping. I actually on Twitter said, TSN, please don't run pornography on your network. That's how sexy it was to see it laid out graphically, uh, how great it was that all these American cities have won. Um Couple more uh, teams we got to touch on the Boston Bruins. You know, uh, this is a tough one for me. I, I'm I'm not the biggest Marcus Johansson fan uh, because of his fragility, uh, because of his streakiness. He is a he is a 200 foot player. He can play deep quite well. I like the fact that he can be a guy who plays up and down your lineup. He's played with elite players before. I I, I respect the versatility there. I'm just not in love with him, and I'm certainly not in love with him as a solution to their second-line wing needs. And the Charlie Coyle for Ryan Donato move... Um, okay. I'll, on the Coyle side, I'm not the biggest fan. And especially not the biggest fan if they're going to make him a center, which they're going to do. Um, he's played better in the middle this this season than he has in previous seasons. I'll, I'll give him that. There's a glimmer there. If they were going to use him as the second-line wing, I might like it even better. But I don't think they are. But what are your thoughts on Ryan Donato going to the Minnesota Wild? I, I think that Donato is the kind of player that, that the Wild def, desperately need. They need a yeah. shoot-first guy. They need a guy that is going to go to the, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily go to the net hard, but he puts a lot of pucks on the net. And we see he's got a, a deceptive shot. You know, I think he put that, a puck on the net in this first overtime game that had no business going in. Exactly, <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that he does. And you know, he, he he's got a bit of a deceptive release. You know, he's an okay skater. That you know, not the fastest kid, but he, he he's got some skill. And again, it's a deceptive release. And I they haven't had that pure sniper in a long time. I think that that's what he is. I mean, I, maybe Jason Zucker is like the closest thing that they've had to that. Who really, move, surprisingly, yeah, ex- another guy that they held on to. And and I I just think that. Adding this, uh, it seemed that Paul Fenton was really convinced that he needed to change things culturally in Minnesota. There was too much complacency. I think that they've they've gone a little bit higher risk in the guys like Kevin Fiala and then and then adding adding Ryan Donato. Those in the totality of the moves that they made, I think that they're they're in better position long term. I think Donato is going to help them eventually. He still has some learning to do, some seasoning to do. He needs to get a little bit harder. Uh, but he is a guy that I think could score a lot of goals for them down the line. And that's a, you know, tough for the Boston Bruins to give up a local kid. But again, I don't know if he was a stylistic fit for what they were trying to do. Definitely not in the short term. And I don't know if they would have been in the long term either just because of their, their track record with trading guys that, that have offensive upside that maybe, uh, are a little bit on the softer side yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not the best track record there. Uh, a couple more things real quick. Uh, Derek Broussard goes to the Colorado Avalanche for a third rounder. Um, probably a rental, 
does kind of give them that third center. Soderbergh's had a really good year. A lot of people don't probably realize that. Uh, and then obviously McKinnon is McKinnon. So, I mean, it's fine. I mean, for for the cost, it's fine, right? I I, I think I don't know what what the hell happened to him. Where the last couple of years, he's not been anywhere near what you'd expect from Derek Broussard. But you know, maybe he goes out there and they stick him with Landis Cog and then he, he you know finds something. I don't know. What do you think of that? Who's to say? It meant nothing to me. I was. <laughs> it meant nothing to me. <laughs> if you like you it, made nothing to me, Derek Broussard. Look, I I think that Joe Sackick knows this about his team. Last year was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, it'd be great if they made the playoffs, but. Let's keep with a larger plan, and the larger plan looks very rosy, especially with that high pick from the Ottawa Senators yeah, coming. Say, yeah. He had the best deadline of anybody because he watched Ottawa burn it, everything down. Sure. Absolutely. McCarr yeah. is coming. Connor Timmons is practicing again from his concussion. Things are going to go their way. You mentioned Bowers is another player right. uh, that's beneficial for them. Uh, Derek Broussard is a fine player and can help them. I, I think they're already out of it in the playoffs. They really do. You know, it, it's giving his team a little bit of a boost, but it, it really didn't mean much to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess finally, uh, a big surprise, somewhat of a surprise, that the goalie market was so – I mean, the only guy who moved was, I think, Cam Talbot, right? To the, and, and Kincaid. And Kincaid, yeah. 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 And then, you know, Jimmy Howard stays and uh, the, 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 the Quick stays. The Sharks get no insurance. The Calgary Flames get no insurance. Um, it is, it is uh, full speed ahead for these teams that – May or may not have uh, playoff quality goaltending, uh, but they're going at it. So that was kind of a surprise. Uh, as we wrap up here, what were we going to say? You have something to say? No. Oh, as no, we wrap up here. Looking lovingly at both of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> as we wrap up here, Emily Kaplan, I'll begin with you. Biggest winner of the trade deadline for 2019 in the National Hockey League, which we decided, by the way, is always referred to as the National Hockey League when referred to, especially on Canadian television. When you're watching the NBA here in the States, you don't hear Charles Barkley being like, from the National Basketball Association. It's never like that. It's just NBA. No. They not even say NBA sometimes. But every reference. If you're going to win in the National Hockey League, you need to have a good center in the National Hockey League. In the National, Don't know how it happens. Uh, your biggest winner for the trade deadline. I like the Jets. I really do. I think I'm a bit higher on Kevin Hayes than you guys are. I think... They needed someone on that second-line center. They needed not to overpay, and they need to know that this is their year to go all in. The hard financial decisions are coming this summer, and therefore uh, I like what they did. Plus, they got a ton of depth pieces for really nothing. So, Shevel Dayos, my uh, GM of the day. Chris? You know, I, I really liked what the Predators did. I, I just feel like their the Granlin trade was a really pleasant surprise for them. I, you know, David Poyle always kind of comes out in in, in either shocks you or impresses the heck out of you in, in what he's able to do and, and, and move around. I like Wayne Simmons being reunited with Peter Laviolette. Um, I really think Granlin is going to find more of his offensive game with the Preds. He's, he's fine. Like it's fine there, but I think it, this is a great team for him to really uh, kind of explode. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of figured that David Poyle had something up his sleeve. I think it was even better than I would have, would have expected. And I think they're much better prepared for what's to come in the playoffs, even though they didn't get a guy like Duchesne, who they probably really liked. Granlin's a, a really nice consolation prize and a guy that they could have for a little while. Uh, my uh, big winner is uh, Pierre Dorian. Aww. When I came into this, what a twist! When I came into this trade deadline, one of my hopes and dreams was that the Ottawa Senators, in in, in selling off three assets that we all kind of figured they were going to sell off, that. They did something that at the very 
bare minimum least gave their fans a scintilla of hope, which is not an easy thing to do when one of the last things you did before this year was trade what is going to end up being one of the top two picks in the lottery to the Colorado Avalanche for Matt Duchesne, who you are then now trading because he doesn't want to stay there. Well, he did want to stay. You just didn't want to pay him. Well, I think in his case, he didn't want to stay there. But uh, who's to say? <laughs> so so they, they make the deal with the Golden Knights uh, trading uh, Mark Stone there, and then they get uh, Brandstrom. And so now you've got a legitimate blue chipper in the system, someone you can get excited about. You have, as I'm watching uh, the Cap Friendly page right now, it looks like a collection of pogs with different NHL symbols. That's how many draft picks that they have over the next three years. So they've got a nice treasure chest of that stuff. They pulled two decent prospects out of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets for Duchesne. Look, I don't know. Uh, no one's excited. I, I get that. They're they're horrible. Um, they're going to be horrible. Yeah. I don't really believe that Eugene Melnick might have been telling the truth when he said that they're going to compete for multiple cups within the span of five years. Um, maybe speaking his truth. Yeah, speaking his truth to a bunch of people that are looking to sponsor his team. Um, that said, considering what they were up against, let me rephrase that. Considering what Pierre Dorian was up against, which is an owner who obviously isn't going to meet the asking price of Mark Stone like he didn't meet the asking price for Eric Carlson. Um, I think they did okay for themselves. And that's all you can ask for in this situation. <laughs> he was up against the wall. He's laughing stock of the league. He got up there with a piece of paper, like those idiots who won for like best makeup at the Oscars, and all he did was read a bunch of names off a piece of paper. It's basically what he did today after the deadline. But at the end of the day... One of the biggest laughing stock punching bags in the National Hockey League actually made out okay. He didn't get fleeced. And he actually got some things that will be tangible building blocks towards respectability for the Ottawa Senators. And that is where the bar was set. Did you embarrass yourself? No? Then you're the winner of the trade deadline, Pierre Dorian. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Right. That's our show. All right, that's ESPN on Ice for this week. Uh, do check out all of our trade deadline coverage on ESPN.com. We've got trade grades for every big deal that went down, a list of all the transactions, winners and losers. Emily and I have done a report card that will be out on Tuesday uh, for every team in the league and how they did full trade deadline coverage. And thanks to everybody who did check us out on Monday. Um during what I would call a not busy day until like the last 10 minutes. And you guys know how to find our work, but Chris Peters is awesome. He's joined us in a more full-time capacity. And Chris, where can people find your genius to steal Greg's favorite line? ESPN Plus is where you can find the written stuff. And hey, check Ugh. me out on Twitter as well, at uh, Chris M. Peters. And we will have uh, some ranking of the prospects that moved uh, at the deadline. So do check that out as well. And yeah, lots of fun stuff on ESPN plus. Behind a paywall. Oh God. I already pay for so many things. Hulu. I pay for. It's great. If you guys don't have plus, I don't know what you're doing. Cause you get Chris, you get our stuff. A lot of it. You get, uh, all of the 30 for thirties. You get NHL games every night and you get in the crease with Linda Cohn with Linda Cohn. And, uh, 
I've been I actually watched the full run of the Peyton Manning stuff. That show that he has, where yeah. he's talking about quarterbacks and stuff. Yeah. It's really good. There's lots of great stuff there. Yeah, you gotta you gotta pay more to get more. Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't push it if it sucked. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, thanks, Greg. Nothing's in it for me. I don't like get like a. I'm not like at the athletic. I don't get a percentage of what you guys do when you sign up for the ESPN Plus. But it's what are you making <laughs> faces for? That's what they do. Like I said the other day, Mike Russo doesn't have to ever. He's got three houses now. So many people signed up for the damn Minnesota Athletic. But get ESPN Plus. It's really good. Yes, please do that. Yeah. At, at the very least. Exactly. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out our stuff. And uh, join us next week for more fun on ESPN and Ice. Uh, bye. 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 This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.